Hey guys, I'm coming at you a little early here to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by Honey. Honey is a free browser add-on available on Google, Firefox, Safari, and more. If it's a browser, it has Honey. Honey automatically applies coupon codes when you check out on sites like Amazon, Papa John's, Kohl's, wherever you shop. It's a good chance that Honey can save you money. All you have to do when you're checking out is click that little orange button and it will scan the entire internet and find discount codes just for you. If you install Honey right now, you can save $50 to $100 on your next purchase by doing absolutely nothing. There's literally no reason not to install Honey. It takes two clicks, 10 million people use it, and there are over 100,000 five-star reviews. Unless you hate money, you should install Honey. Thank you, honey, and now on to the show. And this is the Slightly Credibles. And today we have a guest. We have a guest. <laughs> and our guest is dun, 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 dun. Bradley Gallo. Yeah, <laughs> like a real guest, guys. Like, wait, we, do you not normally have guests? We do, but they're normally people we know. <laughs> okay, so this is like a real guest. Yeah, like, yeah you're this like, very exciting. Yeah, this is so exciting. We our, have no idea who this guy is. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, can you tell us a little bit about? Yourself? Oh, yeah, sure. I'm a producer in Hollywood, <laughs> focusing on uh, a production company that I own with a partner of mine, Michael Helfanth. It's called Amasia Entertainment. Awesome. Beautiful. And they make some really good movies. Yes. I, like, for our research, we watched some of them, so. Yeah. So um, we made a, we have a movie that's coming out, actually, on Showtime oh. uh, called Them That Follow which uh, stars Olivia Coleman, who just won the Golden Globe and also won the Oscar. Wow. Um, fantastic, independent movie made for very little money. Um, but we've, we were known for movies like The Call or Mr. Right with Sam Rockwell and Anna Kendrick. And um, we have TV shows going. There's lots of things going, happening here. And this little independent production company that you're sitting in right now. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome for us. Yeah. La-dee-da, the building is very nice. Everyone's very attractive when you walk in. <laughs> yeah, it's like, wow. Like, Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> no, yes. Do you listen to any podcasts at all? Are you big I am, I, I am very excited by the way the media has changed dramatically over the years because I used to be in journalism and prior to that I was in reality TV and prior to that I was in film. So like I've been all across media gamut. And uh, podcast and its explosion, I monitor as much as I can, but there's only so much. A little bit oh, in the yeah. car, a little bit in the car when you when you can. But I always liked radio, so I'm that old school, <laughs> and so podcast is to radio to me. And when I was in journalism school in Columbia in, in Manhattan, we um, I was they, I became the host of their radio show oh. because I wasn't as smart as the journalists in the class. <laughs> I was the guy they said would be great on the hosting side. So we did our own little show there at the time. So I'm very, very tuned into this stuff. Yeah, very cool. Awesome. All right, so today's topic is haunted movie theaters in Los Angeles. Very fitting. And we probably won't cover all of them. I'm sure we won't cover all of them. So if you have a favorite that we didn't talk about, be sure to message us at Slightly Credibles on Instagram or on our Facebook page or our email, slightlycredibles at gmail.com. 
like right now my brother would be so happy that this is called slightly credible. <laughs> so he thinks I'm slightly credible because you know as your brother who's like you know knows you well or yeah. better than anybody is going to be like yeah yeah well that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Oh God. Yeah, I have to think my brother hears on this podcast. Yikes. He's like, Abby, what are you even talking about? Nobody even wants to hear that. Hey. Thanks, Joel. Exactly. Great. Great. So Hi, Joel. Cool. <laughs> oh, God. The first movie theater we're going to talk about is... The Silent Movie Theater. I've heard so much about this one because you're going to be shocked to know that this is a haunted movie theater that still exists today that one of our executives here was there the day the owner was shot. No way! No what? way! No way! Yes! Wait, did he write an article for... No, it's a female, and oh. she... I don't know if she wanted to be mentioned, so I'm not saying anything, but she was there <laughs> that, that, at that moment, and, and, and they thought it was, like, just kind of fireworks in the, in the back. Oh, yeah. my and, gosh. And she was, like, going there on a regular basis. So the story is that th- there was a couple of owners, but eventually this guy by the name of Lawrence Austin, who became the owner... His, uh, I guess, uh, significant other hired a hitman to kill him so he would kind of inherit everything that was in the will. Holy cow. Um, yeah, it's a crazy story like that. And the night that it happened, one of our employees was there. This is in 1987. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, apparently at that time his estate was worth over a million dollars and it was worth it for her to try. And then they both ended up in jail. So they say that the ghost of uh, Lawrence Austin is still there. And if you go there, it's creepy as all can be. Wow. Yeah, I heard that you can... I've never been, but I heard that there were reports that you could see the blood on the floor. Like the... Oh. Oh when, when, when people would come in, they would see like a mirage of like blood on the floor. Like a, oh, okay, okay, okay. Like I they was would like, see something that wasn't there, and it be was some blood. Type of safety issue. Um, and then there was so another like, <laughs> like they could hear keys. I guess that Mr. Austin would like jingle his keys a lot, and oh my people would report hearing. And keys. the owner prior to Austin was a guy by the name of John Hampton. And that they started this theater in 1942 or whatever. He was always, like, making the films and using the chemicals and doing yeah. it in the lab. So over long periods of time of those toxic chemicals before we knew what could be toxic yeah. and what wasn't, he ended up dying of cancer. So they say his ghost is there, too. So I, he's still wow. making the, the yeah. film in the background. I read, so. oh my God. I read that um, this the guy that took over after Austin died, I can't remember his name. I think it's Charlie Lustman. Oh, this is after Austin. So after the second Yeah, owner. he said that whenever he would try to screen a movie with sound, that something would go wrong. And he blamed the ghost of the original owner, John Hampton. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah, he'd who say. Was, who was very like, I think one time he broke film. his arm right before screening. Oh. And then there was like another time when he knocked over something and he... I don't think he knocked it over. It fell over and it broke and they couldn't do the screening. So oh any movie gosh. with sound, the ghost would be like, this is a silent movie theater. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, crazy, right? Wow. And, and the, uh, just to, you know, because there are people who want to hear about others, the, the Comedy Store, which is extremely famous yeah. in L.A., is another one where they say it's super haunted based on the kind of the old school mob hangout where... Uh, Mickey Cohen was, and uh, and they made it like clinic at one point back in the day because That's they'd have crazy. the pros- the prostitutes that were next door in the brothel, oh. and they'd go in there and do all kinds of you know not so great things. Oh. Have you so, been to the comedy store? I actually never have. I have a, f- a few times. For I have sure. too. I always felt like it was very dark, but I thought that was just mm. for no. They're trying to to make sure that the haunted doctor. Like, <laughs> 
it doesn't come out in the middle of the situation. Somebody's just telling a joke. No, I'm telling you, they, they say, they literally say that, oh that it's God. haunted by the doctor and the prostitutes. That's what? Insane. It's like a real story. When somebody's wow. trying to tell a joke and like, yeah. <laughs> they don't like the joke. So. Oh, God. Right, so they keep it really dark. No. That, no oh. So it's a very uh, it's a very known thing in Hollywood, which is kind of kind of crazy. So maybe that's why I don't go all the time. Yeah. No, I, only, I go when I want to see Sebastian Maniscalco. That guy's amazing. Oh no, yeah. No. Great when the famous comedians pop in there for my. Yeah. Opinion. Oh my gosh. The only times I've ever been is to watch a friend. <laughs> oh yeah. Like oh my god, please they, come. Yeah yeah. Oh, Two oh, drink okay. minimum. Yeah. Yep. Uh huh. There brutal. it is. <laughs> Um, oh, yeah, man. so that's why. And the third one that, that I know about, also famous here, is pa- the Pantages Theater. I don't yeah. know if it's here. I think it's in Hollywood. I mean, I drive by it all the time. I don't know whether that's called West Hollywood or Hollywood. But that, that has another story about, you know, Howard Hughes, who's had an office there. You know, old school, famous director. They, <laughs> he's been played a billion times, once by Leonardo DiCaprio. That's the only reason I know who he is, which is very sad. But yeah. yeah. Well, when you research, he was, a, he, was he definitely had a, an amazing storied history, and he was based there, and they say that, you know, sometimes the place smells like the smoke of his old school cigars wow. or whatever. So it's interesting that there's a lot of these haunted things here in L.A. I don't know that I ever hear about stories of haunted theaters in New York, which is where I'm from and where I started. Oh, okay. From. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. But it'd be good to know, and, and anybody, your fans can, can text in. I, yeah, we'll have to see. If anybody's from New York and knows of a haunted theater, oh, let us yeah. know. I'm sure there's got to be something somewhere. But there's nothing like seeing a movie in a movie theater that's haunted. Yeah. So what would be really great is if they had, if they if they kind of made one of them really, really famous and just said, you have to see every horror film at that theater. Like, they have this thing called the Alamo Draft House. I don't know if you heard about it yet. They're, they're very, very cool movie theater for sort of a, a, a movie geek vibe if, mm-hmm. if you were you know, into movies in a really weird way. It's in downtown Los Angeles. Oh. It's worth going to. You know the movie Cats? So so they have something called the Rowdy Cat Screening, and it's literally everybody just going in there and making fun of him. <gasps> the movie. It's, it's, it's amazing. Oh my god! You have to go to that screening. I think it's like eleven o'clock. There's got to be one there, tonight. <laughs> and everybody goes there, and you'd watch this movie, and you just make fun of it the whole time. Which is, it's, it's kind of becoming like a, a Rocky Horror Picture Show. Wow! But you should see the go. Alamo Draft House. Anyone? Okay, everybody yeah. should go there if you're a movie fan or a movie oh, geek. Oh my god! Because gosh. they they have like a store with all kinds of memorabilia. It's a bar for drinking. There's a theater to watch like acts, and then you can go up to actually watch the movies. Oh, my God. Super, super old school posters that are real. Um, Do they just show terrible movies? No, they show show all the regular movies, and then with regards to Cats, it's probably the only theater still playing it because of the rowdy screenings that are so well. Oh, my God. We wanted to, like, hear more about producing and stuff. Yeah, we wanted to know, like, how... What does a producer do? Yeah, Yeah, that's what I asked in the car. Do you get to pick the (laughs) script? Like, how does that work? The process works where scripts and or books and or uh, any piece of material comes to us and we sort of review it and each person has certain amounts of so I read some scripts they read some scripts there's a staff here right um, and when we when we figure out what we like or don't like we start talking about it from a million perspectives can it be cast who would be directing how much money is it to make the movie would we be able to put that together there's a huge formula that is kind of designed on what we take a project on oh. and once we take a project on then we have to go through the whole process of building what we call a package and the package is the director, the actors, um, and then eventually the crew, 
um, but you don't really have to go there until you know you have the money. And then if you don't have the, this is all independent filmmaking, right? Yeah, so how do you get the money? I feel like, yeah. like for a big production company, they just have buckets of money sitting around. And they like, don't. Here. They don't. A lot of times those production companies have deals with studios or streaming services. Oh. And, and, or they're pitching that script with that package to the bigger companies, and then those bigger companies pay for it. Um, but if they're doing it independently, then they're, then they're dealing with either wealthy private individuals or funds or they're just raising it from other companies and combining together to make the movie. So uh-huh. um, it's, it's, a, it's a super complex process. It's not easy on the financing side, but on the actual making of the movie, you're just, you're looking, you know, you're looking for your production sort of head, physical production head, and from there you build your crew. I mean, I can go on and on about this stuff. So, yeah. so do you pick a movie because... Obviously, you would like it to make money, but do you mostly pick it because it's like an important story to tell? Or? So that's a millennial way of thinking until they have to run a company. And then so <laughs> now, so it's actually and when money. you have to run a company, you have to think both, huh? Right? Because what what you what not necessarily I use the word millennials, but what the younger generations like to see is something new, original, and different. But yeah. then also they like to see. Things that are not new, original, and different. Yeah. You can tell the box office is all about these Marvel films and crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. then they see a parasite and they love it, right? Yeah. 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 So it's both sides. What's making money for the production company? Because you have to pay to run the production company. Right. And then what can you do creatively that's interesting, new, different, and can sort of affect change? That's what I call social impact, let's say, that you can take a chance on. But you take those chances when these are making money over here. I mean, you can't see me visually, but my hands are going crazy. Right <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that's so, really... So you, can, you have to balance it. You can't do just one or the other. Like, you can't just say, I'm a company who's just going to make really good stories and it doesn't matter. Right, that because you have to make money to I mean, make I want to make... All of our films are, are good stories. Yeah. But you have to find ones that fit within a financing structure that you know is going to work. And that's... That's sometimes thrillers. That's sometimes, you know, genre movies, they call it. So thrillers, do you ever comedy. bet on international markets? Almost every movie you put together in an independent world, you have to at least think about the foreign markets because they're they're part of the financing model of the movie. This stuff gets dry and complicated, but you can sell your rights to your movies to each territory foreign and then use that money to make the movie. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, sure. That's a very important part of the process. So independent, <laughs> film, independent film is made in, with three buckets of money the tax credit of the state that you're putting it in. Oh. So if you say, I'm going to shoot this in Louisiana and they're going to give me 25% tax credit, or Ohio, mm. okay, then you know that you have 25% coming from a government source, which means you're going to get the money. You can finance that. So you can make your movie now with that money, even though you're not going to receive it until you get the tax credit later. So you say, tax credit, let's say the movie's $4 million. And a million dollars of it is the tax credit. And then... $2 million is selling those other territories around the world ahead of time. I have a wow. movie here that is written and directed by uh, director Bong, and I have Sam Rockwell, and I have Halle Berry in the movie. Okay, how much can I get foreign? How many? When I give that package to the foreign world, how much will they give me per territory? Will Germany give me $200,000? Will you know Italy give me $10,000? What's those numbers? And those numbers add up over the world. Right? And then you got, let's say, $2 million in this movie. So I said $1 million in tax credit, $2 million in foreign sales. Now you have $3 million. You need one more. And there's another million. That's mm. the real money. That's the oh. equity. 
That's the money you actually have to get out of somebody's pocket or some company's mm-hmm. pocket. Real, it's called equity, right? Yeah. So that's when you go to the, either the, the wealthy individuals, investors, or you go to other companies that have money like that, and they fill that gap. Okay. And now you go make your movie. So this now... This is indie. I'm only talking indie. It's like a, like a, this is like a master's class here. It yeah, is. yeah. <laughs> You're welcome, everyone. <laughs> oh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about... This is so silly. The rattlesnakes in them that follow, because I saw a picture of you with one. Oh, you did? Yeah. Well, I did do your research. That, <laughs> that was probably the Newsday article. It's yes, because they said that you were the reason that the movie got made. Well, I don't know. I don't know if it said that. It basically <laughs> but, did. But I had, uh, I really liked the script, and I loved the directors. They were both first-time directors, and they had written the script. And so it was, it was giving first-time directors a chance to make a movie, and you have to do it on a budget that you know you can get the money back, and it's not so easy. And this is a very difficult subject matter about snake handling preacher and the animation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they did a fantastic job, and I felt really good and comfortable with them, and I knew I would be involved, and I would be on set, and I would be standing next to them, helping them get through sort of the production side of it, why they were putting together the direction side of it. And um, the snakes was... Uh, was probably the best snake handling like movie guy in the world. He, oh. He's based in he's based in LA, and he drove the snakes all the way to Ohio. Wow, and, that's a long drive! Oh my gosh! Yeah, because we needed to make sure we were safe with all the actors, and we had the best yeah. guy, so nobody can ever question us as producers because we picked the best guy, right? Right. Um, and so he was amazing. His name's Jules Sylvester. There's a really cool article on him in the New York Post that you should read, mm. uh, based on this movie. And um, and he yeah, there's lots of stories around the snakes. I mean, they're 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 not actually the rattlesnakes. We had a rattlesnake with us, and it was on camera whenever it's not with the actors. So whenever oh. you see the snakes not with the actors, that's a rattlesnake. Oh. Whenever you see it with the actors, it's the snake that they that looks just like a rattlesnake. Doesn't have any fangs and all that. Oh, wow, like a oh, bull okay. snake, probably. I forgot what it was called. Yeah, I really don't there, there's a bunch of those in Oregon. Wow, of course but. you know. <laughs> Um, that's, I was wondering how you guys dealt with the rattlesnake thing. Yeah. That would be so scary to like have to oh be an gosh. actor yeah, and then hold yeah. a rattlesnake. I guess we have, I, to, you have to have trust. They're, yeah. they're amazingly docile creatures and they are super calm and like soothing. And you, and you, it was, every actor was scared. And then when they started like actually spending time with the snakes way before we were shooting, like while, while we were in prep or whatever, they, they really came around to like, oh, this isn't so bad. Wow. I can make this work. Um, but, you know, Walton t- told the story of where he got a little nip from one of them. Oh. But it wasn't around snakes, so it didn't matter. But, you know, they get a little uh, tired and angry at times. Yeah. And, like a cat. Uh, and, yeah. And, like a cat. Yeah. Yeah. And, and because Ohio's cold, you have to keep them warm because otherwise oh. they, lose, oh, okay, yeah. they lose energy and yeah. all that. So. Think of the sun lamps. So there you go. Yeah. That's them that follow. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about the movie that you had recently made in the U.K.? Uh, so that was in Ireland, which, yes, that's sort of the UK, I guess, the part of the oh, UK. Oh, okay, Ireland. But it is Ireland. <laughs> uh, the movie is called Wild Mountain Time. We think it's going to come out in, you know, the fall, hopefully, you know, August, September area. Uh, it stars Emily Blunt, Jamie Dornan, Christopher Walken, and... Oh, <gasps> Christopher um, and, uh, and John Hamm. And I had a really great time making that film in Ireland. And it's a, it's a fantastically written script by John Patrick Shanley, who won the Oscar for Moonstruck, which is before your time. With Cher. I know yes. That yes. <laughs> and, uh, and then he, uh, yeah, I think he won the Tony and the Pulitzer on Doubt. Doubt is, uh, oh. was a play and then became a movie he, he directed with Meryl Streep starring. Oh. 
out. He um, directed it. Yeah, he he wrote, wrote and directed. And he wrote it. Yeah. I feel like you said that, but I didn't like and, register. <laughs> and uh, and he also did a really cool movie with Tom Hanks called Joe versus the Volcano, which I think you should go back and see if you're a movie geek. We <laughs> we all anyone who grew up in the eighties loved it. And um, and so he, he, he had this story based on his play called Outside Mullingar in New York City that was a big hit. Um, and uh, this producer, Leslie Erdang, saw it and told him, look, we should make this into a movie. And, uh, you know, sometimes they probably regret that they said that because <laughs> it's a lot of work making a movie and we had to do it on a very low budget. I came in uh, later to help them and uh, I think we made a great movie, but we're in edit right now. We. We're gonna find. I'm gonna see in the end of February the first cut. So. So do you have to help with the edits at all? Do you go? Well, in it's and- all from a producerial perspective. So we're yes. When you go into yeah, we watch it. We see the director's cut, his oh, okay. version of the movie, and then it's it's our thoughts to that, helping either craft um, anything that may be confusing us or or confusing could be confusing to audiences or just creative input that we may have another perspective that I think would be helpful. Um, so we give those those thoughts and notes and, and they get to go back and, and work on it, you know, the director and the editor, mm. uh, based on those notes. We call it like a producer's review for a couple of weeks. And then we go to something called final cut, which is the final picture cut, which means that the picture will never change from that moment on. Oh. And then it's about sound, music, special effects, visual effects, whatever it is. So... And then, of course, we get to a final, final. Which if which if Sam Mendes, if you were hearing what he had to say about 1917, he, I think he was like literally making those final like nuances right up until it came on release. Oh, uh, so, yikes! It's so interesting hearing all the inside things. But do yeah, you have, like, a highlight of your career where you were just like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, well, strangely, that highlight came in a weird place. So I've been all over media, as I said. And so when I finally made the decision that I was going to leave New York, which I would never do, and move to L.A. uh, and join this company with Michael Halfant called Troika Pictures, um, the first movie that we put together that I ended up producing with them was The Call. And the reason why that was such a major moment was because I had essentially picked up, left, right, moved to, to L.A., joined a company, and started making a movie with them, and that movie turned out to be a huge hit. Yeah. And so career-defining happened very, not early for me, but earlier in my move. Yeah. Right? Wow. That yeah. was the first movie out the gate when I moved and joined a company. So the moment that I knew that it was kind of groundbreaking and, and huge was when we did the testing. And there's something called the top two boxes. This is like for movie geeks. So when you test, you want the top two boxes to be like really high numbers. And that's like, you know, I don't know how to explain this other than when you go to a movie to kind of voting on like, would you like it or not? The top two boxes are excellent and very good. And so across the, let's say, 300 people that are in that movie theater, if they, how many have done excellent and very good? What's the percentage? And so if that percentage is high, it's like a great moment. Mm. You know that your movie is going to, you know, get mm. distribution and maybe be on a yeah. wide release. And it's it's a crowning moment for producers. It's not so much of a big deal anymore because of the streamers. But this was kind of before streamers took off like they have. So that number was like a 92% in the top two boxes, which means everybody liked the movie. There wasn't a person who missed it. We just knew it was a major moment. So that's my, like, wow moment. Yeah, yeah that's cool. Man. And it changed everything, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. there you go. And, and it's like one of your favorite movies too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh God! Oh yeah, God! Just it, thinking about that ten-minute video that I did. <laughs> but like the thing about the call is, we really wanted to make the sequel, and we never did. <gasps> um, and and we, we we also wanted to make the television series, and we never did that oh, either. Man, you would have a class of forensic science students in Chicago <laughs> watching that, all getting back together. I wonder. I wonder <laughs> if there are a tremendous amount of fans for the call. Oh, like if we made the call too. Would it really matter? No doubt. Oh man, we loved the call. <laughs> That's so funny. We did. Success. Okay, thank you so much for thank coming you, thank on. Thank you. No problem at all. All right, this <laughs> was an episode go. of The Slightly Credibles. You can catch us next week. I'm Shalee. I'm Abby. And we want to thank our guest, Bradley Gallo. Yeah, and you can follow me on <laughs> yes. at Plug. Bradley Gallo at every single thing. Instagram, we'll Facebook, Twitter. He, I follow him on my Instagram, so you can always find him there. It's at Bradley Gallo. Yeah. And do you guys have a, a production company? Yeah, Amasia Entertainment. It's so. A-M-A-S-I-A. Yes. All right, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Review and subscribe to the Slightly Credibles podcast. Boom!